0: Please give your attention to the reading of God's word. Matthew chapter 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. 1 Timothy chapter 6. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Jesus Christ, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, Hebrews 13, keep, yourself, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? This is the word of the Lord.
1: Today we engage the familiar biblical topic of greed coveting what we don't have, being dissatisfied with what we have and are, and the love of money. There are so many repetitions of God's simple commandment, you shall not covet, throughout the scriptures that it's hard to count them. You cannot read long through any section of the Bible without finding that familiar trait of humankind, covetousness. It is found right beside pride, both in our passages today and elsewhere. We recently discussed at a 9.30 meeting the topic of pride and self-esteem. We concluded that when you go through the gospel every day, you become a person who is neither painfully puffed up, empty, and boasting nor a person who is painfully deflated with low self-esteem. You begin to say with Paul, I don't care what you think. I don't even care what I think. I don't even judge myself. It is the Lord who judges me. The freedom found in this self-forgetfulness is the path to true Christian joy. So, close on the heels of our brief study of pride, today we embark on an exploration of greed for money and coveting what we do not have. We have discussed that empty organ inside us called pride that is all puffed up with nothing and gets painfully squashed flat when we think someone else is better than we are. Today we examine another kind of void inside ourselves into which we try in vain to cram all kinds of things. Things, things, things. Money and things. And it never quite gets filled. The successful country singer Shania Twain once sang, we live in a greedy little world that teaches every little boy and girl to earn as much as they can possibly, then turn around and spend it foolishly. We've created us a credit card mess we spend the money that we don't possess. Our religion is to go and blow it all. So it's shopping every Sunday at the mall. All we ever want is more, a lot more than we had before. So take me to the nearest store. Can you hear it ring? It makes you want to sing. It's such a beautiful thing. (laughs) Ka-ching. Lots of diamond rings, the happiness it brings. You'll live like a king with lots of money and things. When you're broke, go and get a loan. Take out another mortgage on your home. Consolidate so you can afford to go and spend some more when you get bored. Then the chorus repeats, all we ever want is more. The gap between more and enough never closes. As soon as I've received my order from Amazon.com, I lose interest in it and order something else. When I feel bad, I spend. Have you ever felt poor and bought things to make yourself look rich or feel rich? Did we ever hurt our child or family member and then bought them something expensive to try to cover over the hurt we've caused? But it didn't work for them any more than it has worked for us. We are not content with our house, our car, our spouse, our children, our paycheck, our looks, our clothes. The love of money is only one of our problems, but it is a root problem of all kinds of evil. The last of the 10 commandments is simply put, you shall not covet your neighbor's house You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. We are covetous of our neighbor's car at times, our neighbor's house, our neighbor's spouse, our co-worker's promotion. We are covetous of the seemingly perfect family in our church. So there it is. We're greedy, and we know we're greedy. We are greedy in all kinds of ways, first in our love of money and spending, then in our covetousness of various other things, and finally we top it off with envy of other people. As with our empty bubble of self-esteem, so with the love of money and covetousness. The problem is neither having too little nor having too much self-esteem. The problem is neither having too little nor having too much money. The problem is deeper than that. And nothing in this world fills the emptiness of our greed. Nothing and no one fills that hungry void. Our problem is that we are not content. We even try filling up our hungry little void with godliness thinking if we get more godly, we'll feel satisfied with ourselves. But godliness is not a mean to gain. So many of us think that, that Paul actually has to take the time to tell us that in today's passage from 1 Timothy. We are always hungering for more and better than the next guy. It's even the same with lust. Lust. If I am inflamed with lust, the problem isn't that the object of my desire today isn't good enough, so I need a better one tomorrow. The problem is my lust. I am not content here, so I look elsewhere. Jesus said, as recorded in Matthew 6:24, no one can serve two masters, for either he will love the one and hate the other, or he will be devoted to, To the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Likewise, we can't be here this morning worshiping Jesus if our real means of coping with life is spending or earning, or if our only hope and goal in life is to get ahead and then retire. Jesus said, He just said, you can't do that and also love him. So Jesus just told us that we can't be Christians if we love our money and spending. We can have our hope in that, or we can have our hope in him, but we can't have both. Do you think this is going to be a problem for us? Most of us can sense when our hearts are divided and only half of us belongs to Christ. Our dilemma is that we know we're greedy, and nothing fills that hungry hole. How do we patch a hole in ourselves if it can't be filled? Our discontentment is like a pothole. Patch it once, and soon you'll have to patch it again. It will continue to be a problem until the entire road is redone. Paul wrestled with this, too. He said in his letter to the Romans, chapter 7, that the Bible, the law of God, is good. If it had not been for the law, he says, I would not have known sin, for I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Great. So we have a problem. We read God's law, and we found out that we have a problem with coveting. And as much as we wrestle against our nature, we never defeat it, do we? Buddhists wrestle with this problem, too. A Buddhist might say that if you are greedy and cannot be satisfied, then you must learn to forget about yourself and your needs. Then you won't have the problem anymore. But the solution offered by Christ in the gospel is as different as it is satisfying to our longing souls. Jesus said, and I quote, that he came to give us everything we ever wanted and that will make us happy. No, I misquoted it. Uh, He said, leave father, mother, brother, sister, house, wife, and land, and deny yourself. And then take up your cross and follow me. Does that sound like Buddhism? It's not. The Buddhist wants to have peace and rest in her spirit by leaving all of these natural desires and urges behind, ignoring them. When the Christian leaves everything behind to follow Christ, she finds that even though she's dead to self, a new person is living in her. Paul told the Galatians that he had left everything behind. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There. The answer for the Christian isn't just self-forgetfulness. It's forgetting self, but then finding that you're not alone. Christ now lives in you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. For the modern Western materialist, the greedy hole in us is stuffed with things over and over and over. For the Buddhist, the hole is ignored until it seems to have gone away. For the Christian, the hole is filled. Not with the things we gave up or gave away, but with a person. The sucking vacuum inside of us is not ignored, nor is it stuffed full of very small things that never fill it. The reason you have that gnawing hunger for more inside you is because you were made by God, for God, for his glory. You were created with that big hole in you because God fills the whole universe And only he can truly satisfy and fill you. Jesus said to the thirsty woman at the well, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever the drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life another time, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Holy Spirit by whom Jesus comes to us. The solution to our discontentment and greed is not to pretend you're not needy, nor is it to continue to stuff non-living things into a hole the size of life itself. It is to die with Christ, to die to yourself and the passions that ache within you and having been raised with Christ to seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When, when, when Christ appears, who is your life, then you also will appear with him in glory. "...put to death, therefore, whatever is earthly among you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry." Coveting a thing, envying a person, means loving it more than you love God. You can't love getting and spending money and also love God. You can't love God and love your money. You can't have it both ways. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. You can't say you love Him if your heart is set on earthly things, on earthly treasures. The call of God on your life is this to die to yourself, to join the family of Christ, His church, and to live no longer to earn and spend what you get on your pleasures, but to spend yourself in being loved by God and delighting in God as he delights in you and in building his name, his reputation. Pray like this. Our Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. Have it your way. This isn't McDonald's. This isn't the church of have it your way the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, and he said, Father, your will be done. That's the kind of things Christians pray. That's the kind of things Christians say. If you're listening to this today, and you hear God's voice saying, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and you cannot serve both God and money, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Look full in his wonderful face and see the one who already owns everything, the whole world. See the man who came down out of heaven and left the riches of the glory of God behind to come be for you what you could never be, a perfect offering to God. Jesus died to save you from yourself and your greed. Jesus died to make you his own, to write his name on your hand and on your forehead so that he could receive the glory for changing you from the inside out and making you look like a miniature picture of Christ. So that everywhere you go, people will look at your strange behavior, your unusual contentment, and the unusual stillness in your soul, even in the midst of anxiety, and they will think, oh, he's different. She's different. They're seeing Christ. They're seeing Christ who lives in you. And you are beginning to learn the secret of being content in any and every circumstance. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can leave everything to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all the other things you need will be added to you as well. Don't have money? Don't worry, he is with you. From now on, Christian, he will never leave you nor forsake you. You You're not alone, he's very big. He has the whole world in his mighty hands and he notices every little sparrow and he's paying such close attention to you that he's taken the time to count the number of hairs on your head. He knows what you're going through, and he will never leave you nor forsake you. He is your shepherd. He will feed you with the bread of life. He will give you the Holy Spirit as water that quenches the thirst for more inside you. Are you walking through the valley of the shadow of death? Fear no evil. He has a club, a rod, and a staff, and he will comfort you with them both. Are you surrounded by enemies? He will hold them back and set a table before you in the presence of your enemies for you to sit and be refreshed with him. This is certain and sure goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, and you will live in the house of God, the church, where God lives forever. Do the tears stream down your face at night. He will wipe every tear from your eyes, and you will see his face and become like him. Worldly riches and things will be long forgotten. We brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. In our passage today in Paul's first letter to Timothy, he says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on god who richly provides us with everything to enjoy they are to do good to be rich in good works to be generous and ready to share thus storing up for themselves as a tre- thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life have a lot of money and on your way to get more and don't have time for nothing else? Don't set your hope on money. It'll leave you hungry for more at the end of each and every day. You'll live unsatisfied and you'll die unsatisfied. Don't love your money. If you've read Richard Foster's little book, which is on the back shelf, Celebration of Discipline, then you may remember a chapter with the title, Freedom of Simplicity. In it, Richard Foster outlines a path to living a lifestyle of not accumulating too many things and keeping you from the complicated life. This habit or discipline of simplicity is a remedy to having so many things that you have trouble following Jesus. Remember the rich young ruler. Do you feel like you haven't given up everything to follow Jesus? Repent. It's been so long, you say. This isn't my first offense, you say. You've been sinning so long, you say. But what does the scripture say? Jesus stepped down, stooped down, and said to the woman caught in adultery, Where have your accusers gone? Then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That's why we worship Jesus. Because he's good. Because he meets us right there when we're caught in our sin and says, I was condemned so that I could buy your life. No one has the right to condemn you anymore. I'm your new judge. Go now and leave your life of sin. God has been oh so good to you. Do you feel like you've left everything to follow Jesus and you've been pouring yourself out for so long that you're empty? and you can't go on another inch? Do you remember where it says, the one who sows to the Holy Spirit will reap from the Spirit eternal life? And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Galatians 6.9 Second Chronicles 16.9, For the eyes of the Lord range to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are fully devoted to him. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart. Wait for the Lord. He will refresh you with springs and streams of living water. And in the meantime, in your weakness. 2 Corinthians 12.9, he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with Weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Think about what this God is like. Stop throwing money and things into this vacuum inside yourself. And fix your attention on this Jesus who is for you all in all. Think about what he is like. He makes the have-nots rich. And the rich go away empty. He fills hungry souls. He refreshes weary hearts. He cleans filthy minds and washes us whiter than snow. And he loves doing all this at his own expense, on his own dime, at the expense of his own reputation. Think about what this God is like. we should take away three things from this sermon. First, wealth rots. Reputations are forgotten. Beauty fades. Your job will end. When you die, your money will be left to someone else. These things have never satisfied you, and they're not going to, are they? Don't set your heart on these things, and if you are, today is the day of repentance. Leave them all at the feet of Jesus, who purchased your soul with his blood. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You can't love God with all your heart and love something else. Anything else. Don't have one foot in the kingdom of God and one arm reaching back toward the other thing. Remember Lot's wife. These earthly treasures will leave you disappointed at the end of your life where you had one foot through the doorway to heaven and one foot in the world and you may find that when the door is shut, you did not ever enter the kingdom of God because there was something you couldn't give up. Don't hear this sermon and go away sad because you have so much invested in this life. You have so much invested in things and stuff. Flee from the love of money and the love of pleasure. You may find that you have to give away some of the things you love. Second, a practical point how do you become content with just what you have? Start with saying, thank you. When I tuck my son in at night and when I leave for work, I instruct him, Daniel, tell God thank you for everything you can think of. In our passage today, Paul said, if we have food and clothes, we will be content with that. You need to start at the bottom when you're learning to say thank you to God. Look around you and begin saying thank you for the most basic of things. Is your attitude sour? Do complaints constantly drip from your mouth? Do you find yourself always pointing out bad things to your spouse? Or pointing out bad things about your spouse? Start with one thank you. It doesn't have to be real spiritual. Just thank him for your hands or your legs or your brain or your sandwich or having lungs or having clothes or having food that day or something. Then let it become a shower of thank yous. Soon it will be a habit and that habit will become a lifestyle and you will find that you have tra- will have traveled far along the road of contentment and peace. So as they say, lower your expectations, increase your appreciation. So second, tell God thank you for everything you can think of, but let your thank yous turn into praises. Third, and we'll close with this, the reason the Christian can be satisfied in God begins with who God is. He doesn't need anything at all. It is precisely because he is everything he needs that he also has enough to give us what we need without needing us to be perfect toward him. His perfection spills over to us and fills up our cups. That's why the psalmist said, my cup overflows. God would never run out of enough love for him or for you. His steadfast love never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. There, inside God, living within God's very nature, is the ultimate enough. And what kind of God could we imagine more glorious than a God who needs nothing from anyone? God didn't need to make us, but he was delighted to create us so that we could share his pleasure. He doesn't need us, he needs himself. But we need God. And wonderfully, awesomely, after creating all these little tiny humans to catch glimpses of his glory, he then laid aside his royal robes of light and splendor, stepped into human skin. And entered into his creation to suffer and die in place of us sinners who were condemned under the righteous wrath of God against all humanity. And what kind of God could we imagine more glorious than a God who needs nothing but gave up the riches of heaven to be crucified? for those who don't deserve it, for you and for me. Nowhere is the glory of God more obvious than when we see his glorious grace towards sinners. And in no way could the glory of God be more beautiful to us than for us to see the glory of the grace of God in the crucifixion of his son for needy sinners. The reason we can be satisfied by God and be content with what we have, whether little or much, is that Jesus is enough for us. And he will never leave you nor forsake you. We are empowered to keep our lives free from the love of money because God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let's pray. Oh, righteous father, your righteousness is as high as the sky. It's as high as space. It goes beyond the farthest reaches of of the light that gets to our telescopes, we can't even imagine a God better than you, a God more kind, more wonderful, and we know that we are very great and hard-boiled, dyed-in-the-wool sinners, and that there's nothing we can do to somehow not be greedy. But you, were delighted to come, and fill up that need, and so today we pray for grace to abandon the loves of pleasure, the love of money, earning and spending and keeping it, the love of having and getting. And we pray that in all our wanting, you would give us grace to draw near to you day after day after day, and to go through this gospel, which is our blessed hope, that you sent Christ Jesus to die for sinners, of whom each of us is the worst. You are glorious, and there's a reason you're enthroned with the hev- in the heavens, and there's a reason you're enthroned on the praises of your people. It's because you deserve it. We could never deserve you, nor could we ever imagine to earn your pleasure or your approval or your acceptance. But, oh, we thank you that we've got it. We can't imagine life without your approval, And so, Lord, we plead the blood and the death of Christ on our behalf, that perfect lamb offered for us. We plead the blood of Christ for our sins. And when we stand in your courtroom and before your throne, we know that Satan will not have the right to accuse us as he does not have the right to accuse us now. And we know that people, parents, bosses, coworkers, kids, whoever, will not have the right to accuse us as they do not have the right to judge us now. It is you who judges us. So please help us to receive that. Please help us like Paul to be crucified with you and to find that we no longer live, but we are not alone and that you live in us. Oh, thank you that you will never leave us nor forsake us. We need you new every day. And so we pray these things that you might be glorified more and more in our little lives as we come to you again and again and find room for us at your table where your body was broken, that we might be nourished and live, where your blood was spilled, that we might drink the presence of God and the righteousness of Christ and be satisfied and filled. All of our hope is in you. O Lord, grant us grace to keep ourselves from idols. In Jesus' name, amen.